In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. He's got the virtual. Yes. He's got the virtual. Yes. <laughs> when you said you were just setting up, mate, I didn't realise you were going to spring that on us. Uh, good evening, <laughs> and welcome back to the Fallout Bar for day twelve of the Paddy Power World Darts Championship. Oh, wow. The tournament is well and truly rocking and rolling now, and we are halfway through the post-Christmas action for this short section and then we come back for the final three rounds of action uh, but we do now know our first two quarter finalists is the last 16 uh round three action was wrapped up and the last 16 action got underway uh dan happy christmas hope you had a great one mate first time i've seen and spoke to you since then how are we very good mate yeah great fa- yeah brilliant christmas like really really good all around um i've got the, we've had this like fun, absolutely fantastic Christmas. Kids absolutely loved it. We had this beautiful little period between Christmas and New Year, where we've sort of spent loads of time with friends and family, watched loads of darts. Um, yeah, really good. And then we're offered New Year celebrations over the coming days. Obviously, we're into the the business end of this year's tournament. The fourth round is underway. We've got our first quarter finalists. And it's all just starting to get a little bit exciting, isn't it? It is indeed. I mean, there's been plenty said by the players at the moment as well. This is a bit where they start playing that war of words a little bit more. We start hearing from the same players that little bit more frequently. They all just put the feelers out in the opening couple of rounds. Don't want to say too much. But now they know the target's on them no matter what. So they're going to come out all guns swinging. That's definitely two phrases put together. Uh, As we saw in the last 16 this evening, by the way, two very one-sided affairs given the form and the runners and riders in that one uh good evening to everybody in the chat room hope you are all well after another excellent day of tungsten action at the alley pally jacks is a bit flat but nvg and doby played well gary also did well I, I also thought that i wasn't sure if it was a mix of uh commentary teams or the matches themselves but it did feel like the alley pally didn't quite get involved as much as they have done over the last couple of nights we'll talk about that as we go on, Preston's in. He says, Dobie keeps this up. He has a great 
shot at winning. Yeah, we'll go with your corrected one of that quickly before we talk about that. Hollywood, says HJV. Uh, I love the way John McDonald says that one. Bob Zinni says, good evening. Pressmill says, evening all. Uh, Connor says, well, lads, to Littler shows continue tomorrow. Yes, he does. Uh, Nazim Zinni says, evening all. MVG look confident. Phenomenal. Yeah, I love the way he says that as well. Good evening all, says Joel. Uh, Leeds, no, Leeds, Boing Boing, Baggies, all quick tonight. Where did Bunting Smith go? Or no Germans there yet. Four Germans into the last 32. None of them into the last 16. Uh, but we'll leave that to Scott Williams, shall we? Not us. Uh, first game of the evening uh, was Damon Hetter against Barry Van Peer. And I'll be honest, looking at the day's action, if you told me this was going to be the closest match of the day, I probably wouldn't have believed you that much. Damon Hetter has been in fine form. Barry Van Peer, uh, very impressive in seeing off Josh Rock in the previous round. But given the fixtures that were to follow, I wouldn't have pegged this one as the seven setter if you told me only one of them was going that far. However, the Heat, uh, without a big fiery hat this time, he's just settled for a song. No no antics on the walk-on. A 4-3 victor over Barry Van Peer and books his spot uh, in tomorrow's action, Dan. Yeah, and it it, it was a bit of a, a strange one, this, because, because the game did very, very much swing, didn't it? Um, I, I changed my mind probably six or seven times through the course of it who I thought was going to win. Um, I think at 2-0, when Barry Van Peer went 2-0 up, I did think he would have enough to, to sort of grind it out at that point. Then Damon came back and won, I think he won the third set 3-0. And I, and I thought, right, he's, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll kick on. And then I thought, and then and I sort of I swung, and I thought, right, yeah, Damon Hill's just probably going to do four on the bounce here. That he'll just come back, lift his level, and away he goes. Um, and then whilst Damon did level it up at two all, that that fourth set was much much harder for Damon to to claw back. Um, and then it did it swung both ways. I just think in the end, Damon, you know, I don't think I don't think anyone would argue that Damon is is the better dart player, um, and just managed to find the right level more often than not in that game. I think that, you know, getting this the first set that Damon got on the board was was key. I think if that game had a slip to 3-0, then I think, he, he, you know, even playing levels that he's got, it's just, there's a maths problem there where people are just hold their darts enough against you to, you know, to grind that out. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think it... Um, I think it went the way I think most people thought. You know, there was a there was a big gulf in in averages in the match. Now I just think Damon's class got him over the line, really, in in what was a tough start. It was a tough start, and look, trailing two 0 to Vampire, who looked meticulous at that point, didn't he? He didn't offer up a lot in those first two sets at all. He caught Damon a little bit cold, who hadn't done his usual jumping about or, or some sort of dance or routine on the walk-on. He, he just got on with it, looked all business, and then finds himself two sets down to a player who is only just getting his tour card back for next year. That must have been some shock to Damon, who uh, do we think there's an argument that perhaps in the early stages he underestimated the threat that Barry Van Peer possessed? I'm not sure he underestimated him. I just think he didn't get going quick enough, and, and Barry came out... You know, with he looked, and you know, I think it's very difficult knowing the problems that Barry's had and the issues that he's faced. I find it, you know, it's very difficult to not 
root for him, really, isn't it? You know, it is difficult to not root for him when you see him, you know, even in tough spots on on, on there. Um, and I don't think he underestimated me. I just think Barry came out a bit fearless and got, got on with the job quickly. And it took Damon longer to play his way into the match. But once he did, and he did get his... Um, you know, he'd reach his level. Then he, he kept it fairly consistency. And 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 in the end, it, it it never really was in doubt too much for Damon towards the end of the match. It didn't get nervy at the end, did it? No, it didn't in the end. For the heat, Damon had a word on Barry because he, looked, he set up pretty nicely. He's been in that conversation of the best player in the world without a tour card for the majority of the year. Now, now he's going to join the tour card ranks he had a, an okay enough grand slam. He's had a decent show in here at the world championships. He's a player that can really make a splash when he comes into the one, two, eight next year, which is remarkable given where he was just a few years ago in that grand slam match with um, Cameron Menzies. Yeah, it is. And that's why, you know, I think it's, I think it's very difficult to not find yourself rooting for Berry in matches. It's just, because of, you know, that journey that he's been on. And yeah, absolutely dangerous. You know, it wouldn't surprise you at all on the floor to see him really do some damage in Pro Tour events next year, playing, you know, because he's going to play 30 Pro Tour events. And it certainly wouldn't surprise you to see him go deep in a, you know, in a few of them. I'd be very surprised not to see him at Minehead next year. Um, I just think over the course of the year on, the, on those floor events, he's one of those players that I expect to be at Minehead, um, even with, a, in a, you know, with a first year on the tour. Yeah, indeed. All right, let's hear then from your winner in this match, man who moves on to the last 16, Damon Hetter, in his post-match press conference. Well, I've been working on a, on a mental game, and it's a positive attitude, and, it, and it's positive thoughts and, and stuff like that. And, yeah, it's helped my game 100%. Uh, it's a, at the end of the day, all I kept thinking was, it's down to me. This is my game. I'm the better player. I am... I'm me, I'm number 10 in the world, I'm this, I'm that. And, and I kept telling myself, and uh, sure enough, I, yeah, I did not dwell on the on the bad stuff. And that's how I felt up there. Uh, not hitting the nine data and winning, oh, yes, I'm taking that to the bank. So, yeah, absolute stoked with my performance. And uh, like I said, I've got my wife, She's we make a great team, and she tells me how it is as well, uh, not to get ahead of myself. or She always tells me to look back about all the good things that I've done, not, not the bad things, because... Uh, there's enough people in the world telling me all the bad things I'm doing, let me tell you. Good little combo and team that Megan and Damon are proven to be, especially. Look, when you pick your life up, travel around the world, and I hope that your partner goes on to make some of themselves in a sport, following in the footsteps of uh, his old schoolmate, Kyle Anderson. Ten, five, ten years to the day since he hit that World Championship nine, by the way. Um, they've handled it pretty well. Yeah, and and let's be honest, I mean, he's in a really interesting section of the draw as well. You know, the Scotty Williams match next is a a really interesting one because, I mean, it could be, you know, we've seen Damon lift his stage presence this year and we know what Scott Williams brings to the stage. So that could be a real box office event. Um, they both have potential to play absolutely box office darts as well but let's be honest they've both got the potential to stink the place out as well so you know that, that I think it's a really interesting game because I, I really have no idea what we might see in that game I think it's really unpredictable 
No, but there are two players that are going to play at similar pace. They're not quick, they're not slow, but I think it's more noticeable if they are playing bad than perhaps a, a, a Doby, a Smith, a Van Gerwen sort of player because they can't just flick it on or, or you're not really... I don't think you get time to realise players are playing terrible when they play quickly because the legs are still over in a reasonable amount of time. But we yeah, there will be thinking take time. That extra moment. There will be some thinking time in that game. Yeah, 100%. Right, on to the second game of the afternoon. And once again, the story of his tournament so far, to be quite honest, uh, not at his brilliant best. We can say that about much of 2023 uh, about the ferret, Johnny Clayton. But once again, he has enough to see off the Polish eagle, Christoph Rutajski. Uh This one was all about the fast start from Johnny, wasn't it, Dan? It was. And I mean, if I'm completely honest with you, I, I, I thought it was a bit, a bit underwhelming, the, you know, the, the match in, in general. Um, obviously, Johnny, again, like we said, in, the, in you know, with, this, with the first game, got off to a, a quick 2-0 lead. And then really, as even with that 3-0 from, from Ratajski, Johnny had, had put that gap in. He put that gap in so early that Ratajski was going to have to lift his game considerably to break those sets and and, and claw that back. And he, and he just wasn't able to... To reach the level, you know, the averages were all right. They sort of both averaged around the 92, doubling around the 30s for both of them. Yeah, I thought it was it. It lacked, you know, as, as a just as a fan of watching entertaining sport, it, it lacked a bit of tension and it lacked, and you know, real special moments. But like a professional performance from Johnny Clayton, you know, he moves on to the next round, and it, it's, you know, we we keep saying, well, he's not playing his best and he's not at his best at the minute. But he's moving through the rounds of a world championship into the fourth round where lots of people ranked higher than him and in better form than him have already gone out of the tournament. So, it's you know, it's, if he just keeps that consistent level, if he keeps averaging 92 and he, and he just pushes himself along, he's got a chance. Again, another interesting game that it sets up between him and Rob Cross in the next round. Lots of people have tipped Rob Cross to come through that quarter. People will pre will probably more favoured to do so in the absence of a of, of a certain world number one that will come to later in the in the conversation. Um former, but, former world number one, by the way. Well, Seems yes, sorry, yeah, former world number one now. Yeah. But but is that gonna be a sign for 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 someone like a Johnny Clayton? You know, who knows he can turn up to big games on big stages and win? And does that open up? the opportunity that, you know, he might fancy that game against Rob Cross, knowing that beyond that, he's got, he's got a doby. You know, he's not, he's not meeting the defending champion. You don't know what that's going to do psychologically with, with that, um, you know, that, that opening up of the draw. I guess there's, there's two ways to look at it from Johnny, isn't there? That actually to get to where he has played at the level he has, it'll, it'll be absolutely ecstatic given his lack of form. He was talking about um, potentially going to see a counsellor at the start of this tournament because, the passing of his father earlier in the year has affected him a lot more than he thought it would. And it's it's carrying over to darts and the relationship that they had with his dad traveling and, and being his biggest fan, as, as he says, as a darts player. He does have that freedom knowing that actually it can just click at any moment. He, he is still a fantastic dart player. He is still ranked inside the top 10 in the world without playing that great for the last six months, largely. And he can just find the form at the right moment. But actually... He's just found himself in the fourth round of a world championship. So absolutely nothing to lose right now. 
And if you'd offered him that before the tournament, he probably would have snapped around off for it as well, given the way that he was approaching the tournament. Like, he's in an absolute win-win situation from here, whereas Rob Cross has been talked about as one of the players to potentially go and lift the Sidwell since before it started. His, his World Series form earlier in the year and his all-around form has, has been one of the best players in the world for 2023. And he's playing with that pressure of actually last year, he well and truly talked himself out of that Premier League. He's one of the names that's floating around to be back in it again in three weeks' time. Yeah, and 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 it you know he's he's got a really big couple of days ahead of him, hasn't he? And I think you know that that that's that obviously the next game is 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 key. Um, but if he can get himself up for it, then there, 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 it could be a a really big year because there are a lot of top top players at the minute who are unable to click into some form. And it leaves the door wide open for someone who, who does. And we know he's got the talent. To, you know, we, know he's, we know he's got the ability and he's got the game. And I think he's one of a number hovering around that top end that could just click into something. And the doors could be wide open at the minute because there's so many real talented players struggling for form. Yeah. Uh, Chatroom, who said that... Uh... Nels, doubles of Johnny, they may haunt him again. They may indeed, but when you look at exceptional performances from Johnny Clayton in the past, he is not the biggest 180 hitter on the planet. He hits tons, he hits 140s, and then when he goes and plays well, he finishes at 50 to 60% on the outer ring. That double 16 might just be there when he needs it tomorrow, and that makes Johnny Clayton an incredibly dangerous prospect to the likes of Rob Cross. However, Christoph Ratajski beaten in the third round, the Polish Eagle, uh, depart an average year for Christoph, I'd say, not quite living up to the hypes of maybe three, four years ago when he was the, the hipster pick, if you like. Solid enough, not quite produced here, but Johnny Clayton, the man that progresses, and this is what he had to say in his post-match press conference. 100%, because um, the other night weren't that good, so um, no, all jokes aside, I'm up there to try and win a tournament. I don't care how I do it, I just want to win this tournament. Well, it was a little bit better than the last time, but um, old Johnny's not back yet. There's plenty more room in that time. So um, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm trying to relax and I'm trying to play my game. Trying to relax and play his game. We'll wait and see if he can pull that off tomorrow. We'll discuss that uh, in the second half of the show when we make our predictions uh, for the last six, last 16 games, that's not the easiest thing in the world to say. But for now, we do talk about the final game of the afternoon session today. Uh, I don't think we're going to say an awful lot about this one. Uh, Jim Williams uh, departs a 4-1 loss to Raymond Van Barneveld. Barney averaging just 89 on his way to victory, Dan. Um, I think that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, Raymond Barneveld's got away with murder today. And I think he almost said that in his interviews after the, after the match. Um, you know, I think I, I think he knows he got away with one. Jim just didn't capitalise on the opportunities that he created for himself um, and allowed Barney too many opportunities to come back to the board with very, very little to do. I do recall being in Ilkeston a few weeks ago and, and fantasising, genuinely fantasising about the prospect, looking at the bracket, that we could see if the stars aligned, there was a potential meeting where in this huge Venn diagram of the careers of Raymond Van Barneveld and Luke Littler, there is a tiny, tiny pocket of window of opportunity where they might meet on the stage at the Alley Pally. And everyone told me to hold me horses and don't, and, and it's happening, you know. And I think it's the most 
fascinating. Like, I just think it's genuinely, I think we know, like, everybody expects Luke to go on and do some, like, quite spectacular things in the world of darts. And also, Barney is, uh, you know, he is a hero of the sport, five-time world champion. And I, I just think the idea that those two get the opportunity to pull each other on a competitive stage at the Ali Pali is quite a magnificent and, and beautiful thing. So I'm, I, for one, am very, very much looking forward to that match. And I'm pleased that the draws opened up in such a way. We are 40 years age difference. Not the biggest age gap we've seen up on that stage. Uh, Luke Humphreys was 25 when he took on 66-year-old uh, Paul Lim a couple of years ago. Luke Littler was actually born three weeks after Raymond Van Barneveld beat Phil Taylor in the 2007 World Championship final at the Circus Tavern. Only in darts can you get this sort of matchup. Only in darts can you get these sort of age gaps. Maybe snooker as well. We'll give him that one, given that Jimmy White's still hanging around and he's been around longer than God knows what. (laughs) However, uh, the actual game itself, Dan, a little bit drab, I'll be honest. Barney pinching the opening couple of sets whilst being way below the performance level that we expected from him. Jim Williams has been solid in this tournament, solid in 2023, to be honest, but this will feel like one that got away from him massively because he just has not performed. Yeah, and he was nowhere near the Jim Williams that we saw against Peter Wright, even though there's not a huge amount of difference in the average that he posted between the two games. It was it just wasn't that ability to be clinical and take opportunities. And, you know, I do think Jim created lots of opportunities today and he didn't capitalise. And, you know, Raymond was more than happy to come to, come back to the ball with two dark combinations and and, and away he goes. I, I think, yeah, it, underwhelming. And, and Raymond, I think, will feel he's, he's got away with one a bit there and he's had a bit of a gift. Yeah, 100%. Do we have Barney to play for you? Let me just scroll across. We do. Here is... Raymond Van Barneveld in his post-match press conference. Ever playing his A-game. Maybe he was afraid. Then uh, Andrew Gilding, who is still the current UK Open champion, he misses doubles. Then Campbell, I was watching the first set. He was missing two darts in the first leg. He was missing two darts in the third leg. Then two, one down. He was missing crucial doubles to to get it two each. I'm not going to miss doubles tomorrow. I'm a different player than than Chris, of course. Um, I know what I can do. I I prepare myself for every single match. Um, First of all, I want want to say all credit to Luke. I love him. I love the way he's playing. And I will give him lots of respect. Um, To do this in, in a series, you know, like the Motor Series, to do this everywhere else but to do this on the highest level and to win three games for this crowd for everyone sitting at home that gives pressure right and i really admire uh, the way he's developing Um, but sometimes you have to think about yourself Uh, i don't play luke lidler tomorrow i'm gonna play the board you know, I don't care about how good everyone is. I, I never did. Michael, if they, if they play fantastic, they play fantastic. But I'm not busy with uh, players who are, are in the top eight or top four in the world. We, we saw Peter Wright go out. We saw Brendan Dolan beating Goering Price. Uh, 
everything can happen is the World Championship as long as you believe in yourself and you hit these quality darts and, and you hit your doubles. Yeah. So I beat him today. Um, and now you guys standing in front of me hoping me to lose tomorrow. <laughs> no, but that's a fact. I know this. I, I, I know I'm here for many, many, many years in this, in this dark game. We had um, the queen of the palace. Now it's the prince of the palace, you know. So um, I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping to, uh, to stop your prince tomorrow. Um, and if not, I will still have an amazing time. That was quite good. He's, he said quite a lot there, to be fair. Yes, we are hoping you lose tomorrow, Raymond. Sorry, but the Luke Littler circus continues. I mean, we'll have to talk about that uh, in a few moments' time. We'll wait until after the next one to talk about Luke because uh, a certain Mr. Gary Anderson says plenty about the young star as well. Um, I think he's handled himself pretty well there. The one line I want to pick up, Dan, is he says, I won't miss doubles tomorrow. Well, My we'll concern for you, Raymond, is the way you played today, you might not get any darts at all. Yeah. <laughs> you may not get a chance to have a call. Look, the thing that fascinated me the most, right, and you know, because there's a bit late in that interview where Raymond says he doesn't think about his opponent, doesn't think about who he's playing, he plays the board, yet he could tell you what happened in every single leg of every other game that Luke Littler's played in this tournament. He knows how many missed doubles people have made on which leg and who's took out what checkout. So I'm, I, I'm not so sure how much Raymond actually plays his opponent and thinks about them and just wants to play the board. I, I think that was a really good interview, but my honest opinion is the bravado words of a man who's running scared is what I think. I can't lie, look, he's gonna, he knows he's in for it tomorrow, doesn't he? Like, the crowd have been, as a player who is as well-revered in the crowd and gets as so much support as he is, tomorrow the crowd are rooting for the underdog in a situation where they just want to see him go and do bits, don't they? Of course they do. Yeah, and it is. And it, don't get me wrong, he'll still get his walk on. Like, he'll get, you know, either Tiger will be great, there'll be some Barney Army, he'll, he'll still get that, you know that big crowd, and that, and I think it's going to be absolutely unreal when he could like well, that for those players coming out. But once that game gets underway, one hundred percent, the crowd is going to be fully behind Luke, Luke Littler. They are. He also, I don't know if you noticed in Barney's interviews on Sky today, was most put out about playing on this on the afternoon session today. He made a he made a few points on his interview. He, he came after the game. He came upstairs into the studio with Sky, not the interview he did on the stage. And the point he kept labouring over was the frustration at having to play in the afternoon, and that he hadn't had his three meals that day. He don't had his breakfast, and then he, he he didn't know whether he was playing on the afternoon tomorrow, whether it was going to be the evening session. And he did make and it, it it I mean. I'm not saying he was already making excuses for a poor performance because it wasn't a great performance, but I just thought it was an interesting topic to labour upon after he'd won his match was, you know, that he had to play on an afternoon. So maybe he just feels it's beneath him. He's five-time world champion. So. The most experienced player in the field should be able to handle that and not use that as a consideration. You have been doing this for long enough to be able to know that actually that's going to happen. And, and actually, maybe... That's the sort of moment where somebody who has been in the position of 
being a, a favourite, shall we say, for the media and for the television companies over his career is understanding just how tough it is for the rest of the field. Yeah, hundred percent. And let's be honest, like the, the you know the three names, and I appreciate there's there's other names involved in this evening games, but you know Anderson, Michael Van Gerwen, the defending champion Michael Smith. There's your three evening games, aren't they? Like yeah. who's gonna who's gonna knock that on the head and go? Ah, actually, there's this other. Don't forget Raymond. Like he needs to be on there as well. Like he, he's just he wasn't in the mix today. He I don't think he was in with the shot. Um, but it was. I just found it interesting that he did labour the point a lot in his interview with Sky. I thought it was quite interesting. He did. Uh, on to the final game of the round of. I keep losing track now. Thirty-two, the third round. Uh, but that was played the first game of this evening's session. Uh, the eight-time soft-tip world champion Boris Kirchmaier hoping to make a little bit of a stir in the steel-tip world. Has been in great form of late, to be honest. Uh, takes the opening set against the flying Scotsman Gary Anderson. Uh, but from that moment, that just seemed to get Gary going. The man finishes just shy of 100 average in the end. 9-180s for the flying Scotsman, a 4-1 victory. For Gary Dan, he looked bloody brilliant, didn't he? Yeah, he looked superb. Big Boris did very little wrong, you know, like very little wrong. The you know his average ninety five. He, he was kicking the ass out of fifty percent on his doubles. Like that's going to get you through most games. And you know it, it would have got him through most games today. Um, but he just yeah, he's almost. I think he's probably done the wrong thing coming out and winning that first set because Gary's come back with his game face on and just hasn't let him off with a thing for the rest of that game. And you know, whenever Boris missed anything, Gary was there. You know, we know Boris is good on his doubles. Um, but anytime he wasn't, anytime he left Gary a thing, Gary was cleaning it up and, and just kicked on. And it and yeah, it wasn't competitive, not for the one to try. And as I say, I don't think Boris did a great deal wrong. Um, it was just a case of, of you know, Boris bumping into one of the greatest players of all time, who, who's at his favourite venue on yeah. an absolute charge in a season where he's decided he's going to play darts again, pretty much. I and, mean, the ones he's for Boris, pretty special. The double percentage, I mean, he's seven from 15, 46%, including that 161 on the balls on 19, 140s. Uh, for Boris Kirchmar, but he just wasn't consistent enough. Gary Anderson, 30 straight tons, 12 140s, nine maximums, 14 of 33 on the doubles. And Gary must be a man, you know, who, like, I know that there was a lot spoken about, because I, I, I watched the show last night, it was great, about Brendan Dolan beating Gezi Price. But, you know, the four people left in that quarter now, Barney, Luke Littler, Brendan Dolan, Gary Anderson. Like Gary Anderson's going to look at that and think, Four, as long as I can get rid of this kid, <laughs> I'm all right. Because <laughs> he's going to fancy it. Again, no disrespect to anyone, but no. Gary will fancy that match with Brendan Dolan and he'll fancy a match with Barney. Um, you think his record here is ridiculous. We've just put him in a semi final after that. Like, it, it says a lot when a 16 year old debutant in Luke Littler currently looks like he's going to pose the biggest threat to Gary Anderson in winning this quarter of the draw. And he's going to need a, a very raucous Alexandra Palace on his side to possibly even consider doing that to Gary Anderson. And even then, you've got to get past a man who is just so experienced. He's just going to get on with playing darts because he plays. Luke plays a lovely place for Gary, by the way. Yeah, That's perfect. going to be some game. Um over an even bigger distance. 
that would be an increase in nine sets as well. We're absolutely not Ryan Barney and, and Brendan Dolan off here at all. They, they could well and truly do that, but it is just salivated at the fact that we could see Gary Anderson against Luke Littler in a quarterfinal, best of nine sets, played at a wonderful pace uh, as we return from the New Year's break. Um, all of our interviews are available in full on our YouTube channel, obviously where you are watching this stream right now. We do appreciate you tuning in. Or if you're listening back as an audio-only podcast, you can head over to Online Darts on YouTube uh, to catch up with all of the interviews from all of the players that have won throughout the Paddy Power World Darts Championship. Uh, this one in particular, I think, is worth going back and watching in full. We're going to play you a clip from Gary Anderson. I said we weren't going to talk too much about Luke Littler uh, after the Barney uh, segment despite Barney being his next opponent, because Gary actually mentions Luke uh, a lot in his post-match press conference, and that's who we're going to hear from right now. Now, see, we're going to say this now, because we had another youngster called Josh Rock that all used press and everything else have absolutely destroyed. So if it ever goes tits up with Luke, give yourselves a pat on the back, because that's the way it's going. Let the boy play darts. I've been downstairs today and he's had cameras, Zoom calls, Sky meetings. But the boy played apps. You know, he's, he's had a great tournament, he's done well. What happens if it all goes Pete Tong now? Well, you boys have ruined that, haven't you? So let the boy play apps. He's 16 year old, playing well. And uh, yeah, just like Josh Rock, fantastic player. But you've knocked him back about two, three years. You know, what, do, what should we do now? Keep going. Keep having that boy be mic'd up and sitting doing interviews when he should be in the practice board. Carry on. I've seen that a thousand times. Every year we see a boy coming through the, the rank. He's, honestly, you haven't got a clue how many young DAP players we see coming through the, the system. Well, this is going to be the next big thing. That's it. Pressure's on him. All goes Pete Tong. Where is he now? We've seen it in the past. You go through the darts over the last 10 years, how many youngsters have come through that you have all said this is going to be the next big thing? Where are they? Now, as a media outlet that we are, sitting here and praising somebody that has sat there and absolutely destroyed media outlets alike feels like a very, very strange thing to do. But I 100% sit there and agree with what Gary has just said. Now, we as a channel have had access to Luke probably more than an awful lot of other outlets. A lot of that has been with a request from his management team or those around him to help him learn and, and get used to being in front of cameras, knowing that something like this was inevitable. Now, today, something has gone wrong for Luke's camp. He's been photographed with uh, a certain UK newspaper and has been forced to put an apology on Twitter for doing so. Me and Dan have had a conversation about this in a WhatsApp group and have slightly different opinions. So we're not going to tip to around <laughs> it. We have to have a conversation about it. Um, but I... I 100% agree with Gary Anderson right there. And the way that he's taken to protect somebody who is potentially a game away from costing Gary Anderson an awful lot of money in a shot at a world championship is admirable from a man who was looked so done with the sport ever so recently. And all he wanted to do was stick around and cause people trouble has actually just taken the shield to one of the youngest prospects and gone, no, back off. No, it's 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 incredibly admirable that he's, and it, and it's very good that Gary is the is the man to do something like that because let's be honest, there are very few voices that come out of that that are taken seriously. 
Like people do take Gary Anderson. When Gary Anderson speaks, people do take him seriously. Oh, people listen. If you people... want a list of players that do numbers on our channel, by the way, from a media insight, Fallon, Sherrick and Van Gerwen are always going to do well. The absolute next person, and Phil Taylor, people still want to hear what Phil has to say most of the time or, or at least comment. Gary Anderson could sit on our channel for a week long and tell you what he'd had for dinner and he'd still do as many views as everybody else. Yeah, and, and, and you no, know, people do pay attention. And I think while we, you know, you and I, we do disagree on, on, on certain elements of, of that. But but it's easy to disagree when we, we we actually agree on the most important thing. That is, like, the primary focus for everybody in that situation should be on what is best for this 16-year-old sporting prodigy. And, and you know, you and I only don't disagree on the best way to protect him, not the fact that his, you know, protecting him from all that bollocks should be the absolute priority. Um, and, yeah, I think it's really good of Gary to, to come out and say, I also think it's good of Gary to not just focus on Luke as well. Um, you know, he does make the point of, of other players and other, you know, there is an element to which... He, to which you have to accept in this day and age that large amounts of the revenues that are generated within any given sport come from all the various different reporting streams and social medias and advertising there within. And without that, the revenues of the sport go down. And without the revenues of the sport, when the revenues of the sport going down, if the prize money comes down, like it, it, it is all part of this big machine. That does not mean that people shouldn't be conducting themselves with some base levels of morality and 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 ethics. Like that doesn't it doesn't push that to one side. But there is an element of us all, everyone, you know, in involved in sport in any way, having to accept the necessary evils that the money-generating organisations. You know, how many people have ranted and raved about Sky's control within the Premier League, you know, over the PDC? Like, it's some... But again, when you take that money away, you take that revenue away, well, what, how are you going to pay no all your... There is no payday for the players and we lose exactly. so to... That Casual no fans that go to the Premier League once a year, yeah. Correct. There's you know, there's loads of stuff that we you know we don't like the way it's done, but and we have to but we have to accept it as part of the world. But it does not excuse people not carrying themselves with, with yeah with a base level of ethics and you know and and there's a lot about that that could be better, an awful lot. My biggest concern from all of this is that. We had a very, very similar situation, albeit not because of age, but because of gender a couple of years ago with Fallon Sherrick and those in charge in the short space and, and have allowed, have made decisions that I haven't agreed with along the way, clearly haven't learned from anything in the way that they, they've literally had the perfect case example in Fallon for the last few years on what happens when you get somebody do something exceptional that brings you wider coverage than you're used to for a lot of reasons. Fallon obviously was making the New York Times. Luke is on Sky Sports News and they're asking about his kebab order, for Christ's sake, because of his age. But there is that special interest to do with something other than just the darts that, that make him market but elsewhere, that they haven't gone, right, for the next couple of days, we're going to give certain larger outlets a couple of exclusives and everybody else will have to report off of that. It seems to be we're going to get every single media opportunity, every single location that we can. Everybody wants a different angle. Everybody's trying something different. And with that, as Gary said, the, 
he's clearly missing out on practice. But Arsenal last night to relax a little bit. I know he's played mini golf for the family today, and part of that is to get away from it all as well. But there has to be that concern that I, I just see them making the same mistakes that they made with Fallon a couple of years ago. And with all, they're both under incredibly strong management. They are under some of the strongest managers in the sport in terms of the player management. Like, there's nothing more they can do to protect them apart from just saying no. And then everything dries up. Like you said, you have to accept some of these evils. For me, they need to rein themselves in a bit because there's more and more decisions being made by the PDC that aren't a governing body, that aren't protecting the players. It's how much money can we generate in such a short space of time? And we don't care about what happens afterwards. There's no long-term protection of players and no, assets. I, and like I, it should be for people like Luke and Fallon. I think... haven't learned. Yeah, I think we shouldn't be naive enough not to think that, you know, Luke Littler going on BBC Breakfast News is, the story isn't Luke Littler, is it? The story is, watch the Darts World Championships, they're on. It's an advert, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and and and, and I just think, if you're going to do that, you have a responsibility to be careful with it. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing specifically. That I thought that one was particularly um, amusing. But... Uh, but you have a responsibility. You're going to get those players. You're going to get that. But I just think there needs to be, there needs to be capped. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know whether the answer is you put it all through. You just put it all through a PR company. You know, you put it all, through, or, or you expand the PR division within the PDC, and and you, and you put everything through a PR company, whether that's yourself or somebody else, where they manage everything. So they so they do one lot of interviews per day, and they share them with everyone, and they pump them out, and they give them, you know, and then you retain a bit of control. You 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 control the questions that are being asked. You control the answers that are going out and being shared. Like me personally, if it was my business, that's exactly what I'd be doing. I'd be making sure everyone's as tight lipped as they can be, and I'd push them all through my PR company and I'd choose exactly what was getting shared with who and push it to the world and I'd charge them all a fee for it. Um, that, that, would, that would be my model. Um, but it does seem a bit of a free-for-all at the moment. It does indeed. Hopefully, uh, if Luke's success continues, it doesn't get too crazy for the youngster. Right, two more games to talk about then, Dan. As we got underway in the last six Dean, we found out our first two quarter-finalists of the 2024 Paddy Power World Darts Championship. And first up, uh, the man hunting his fourth World Championship title, Michael Van Gerwen, absolutely dispatched to one of the most informed men in World Darts right now, Stephen Bunting. Uh, 4-0 whitewash, exactly the same scoreline as when this pair met at the same stage of the tournament in 2020, just three and a half, four years ago, whichever way it works out. Um, given the way they number world championships, you lose track. Um, first of all, A, what a job from Michael Van Gerwen, and B, Stephen Bunting's played the man there, hasn't he? And it's not come out very well. Yeah, I think it's important to highlight that Michael Van Gerwen's played three matches so far in this tournament, and he has not played a mug yet, and he hasn't lost a set yet. Michael, Michael Van Gerwen's yet to lose a set, and and... Michael Van Gerwen is a player who gets in the habit of winning and he gets excited by winning and it, and, it, and it does things to him. I think the point he's at now is he's coming into games and he's like furiously angry to lose a set. And you know he does. I think he's a dangerous, dangerous man at the minute. You know he, he he's not doing. He's not. And again, I don't think he quite found his A game today. 
you know, he, he, he despite he still hasn't lost a, a set. And I'm not sure he's found his A game yet in this tournament, which again, if he kicks on and carries on moving forward, um, you know, Stephen Bunny, Stephen Bunny's 50% on his doubles, average 95. Again, that's going to get you through. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Most games, he's going to get you through most first-round games. If you can if you can average 95 and, and, and do 50% on your doubles, you'll probably get through. But he's just, yeah, he's met the man. And and he's met and and Michael Van Gogh has done what Michael Van Gogh does. He's done the right things at the right time. He's took his opportunities. He's 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 took the right. He's used the right times in that game to just kick on. He's pinched legs where he needed to, and yeah, he's yet to give a set up. The man looks. I put there was a lot of people on last night's show. I was say I was in the chat room at, and a lot of people back in Bunting last night. An awful lot of people. And I did back Michael Van Gogh. I think he's a beast. Um, and it's exactly what we saw today. And he's a terrifying prospect in this tournament. Terrifying. He is. Um, I just said he hasn't lost a set yet. He's played 11 sets so far. He's dropped just 12 legs in total as he makes his way to the quarterfinal stage. The concern for me here, Dan, is just the way Stephen Bunting has, has approached this game. We saw a little bit from his interview uh, yesterday, I think it was if not the day before. And then his pre-match interview pretty much summed it up for me here with the line, if Michael turns up, I'm going home. I, yeah, I, I think that he seriously looked... concerns me because up until this point, Bunton has been the most informed man in the tournament. There should have been absolutely no reason to think that. It should have been, even well, if I don't turn up with my A game, I'm sending him home. And, and that was the wrong approach for me in the, Everybody doesn't want to provoke Michael. Nobody wants to give him an excuse to get angry like Gary Anderson a few years ago because if Gary gets angry, you're in trouble sort of thing. No one wants to go poke in the bear just in case he produces that sensational performance that is still within Michael Van Gerwen. But with a head-to-head record like Bunting has against Van Gerwen as well, I think he's massively overthought this because actually those people in the chat room last night and the backing that Bunting had in the crowd tonight should have been enough with the form he's in to get him over the line. And instead, he's he's been nowhere. Well, to, to quote the great man himself in recent interviews, he was a bit of a poo pants, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I, think he I think he saw his ass. You know, I think they um, there was lots of talk, lots of people sort of generally commenting about Stephen Bunting going into this as being laid back. I think he was too laid back. 
I think he was far, far too laid back. Um, that I don't think he got up. I don't think he believed at any point that he could win, or he certainly didn't look like it. Um, you know, his demeanour on the stage when he came out, I, I, I'm not convinced that Stephen Bunting thought he could win this match. Um, and it was, yeah, it was an underwhelming performance that made for a bit of a lackluster. I, I thought this one, um, well, I, I don't know. It, it, it had, of the games we had today, I thought, you know, you just never know. It might light up the stage a little bit. And, and it didn't in terms of a competitive excitement, no tension, just, yeah, Michael Van Gerwen doing what he does and being a bit of a beast, wasn't it? He is a bit of a beast. I mean, we've been saying all along that this tournament is opening up quite nicely. Scott Williams... Or not here in his quarter, it's not. <laughs> in the quarterfinal. The rest of that, I mean, this one hasn't really changed an awful lot, has it? But you're looking at... Beyond that, big names are falling. Luke Humphreys is yet to really be that impressive. Scott Williams, Damon Hetter, Luke Humphreys, Joe Collin, Daryl Gurney or Dave Chisnell stand between Michael Van Gerwen and a World Championship final spot once again. Yeah. Well. I've been steadily impressed with Joe Collin. He needs to find another gear, though. Luke Humphrey's comeback was very, very good. It was very Michael Smith last year vibes, not quite performing as yet. But I worry the mentality is slightly wrong with Luke right now. But of all those players, of all the way that they're playing right now, the form and the way they're going to approach a semi-final of Michael Van Gerwen or a quarter-final of Michael Van Gerwen, the only one of them for me that is capable of stopping him is Luke Humphrey's. And Luke's got to find something and fast to do so. Sure. I think they're all capable of... In that section, you know, so that, that you know, Gurney, Chisnell, Cullen, Humphreys, Hetron, Williams, like, you know, that they're, they're all capable of beating him. They've all they've all got a game in them. Those guys a proper game in them. And if he comes out and averages a hundred and does forty percent on his doubles, there's every one of those players can post a can do better than that. It's whether or not they can get their bollocks between their hands and do it on the Ali Pali stage against Michael Van Gerwen. That I think is the biggest thing. Um, you know, there's a Over comment in the... a best of seven or a best of nine. Yeah, best of nine, there's, isn't it? From here. There's a comment in the chat room about you know how last year he you know he didn't really have to he didn't really have to come up against anything you know as he sort of breathed through you know breezed through the rounds. But you know, whitewashed Dobby and Dimmy in the quarterfinals and semifinals. But this it's not that they just they're just crap players. <laughs> like it's not that it's it's that. They're having to play him on that stage in that situation when he's in beast mode, and that's the problem. You know, there's there's not there's every player left there that, that has the game on their day to beat him. It's whether they can get the balls to do it on that stage in that environment because he's got them, hasn't he? You know, we know he's got that big game energy, that big game performance. It's whether someone else can match it. It is. Uh, let's hear then from uh, your Victor in our penultimate game of the evening, Michael Van Gerwen. 100% because you could see everyone was talking about him throwing 107 average being normal but 107 average constantly that's not normal that's outstanding that's good that's brilliant and then for me to do, to put my will on to him and put the pressure on him constantly that gives you confidence and that gives you the joy to, to do more and uh, I was able to hit the right score and the right finishing on the moments I had to and that gives you confidence. 
You know, you're going to play, uh, there was the last game of 2023, another uh, new year without the kids and without my wife. And of course, that always gets to you a little bit. And uh, uh, it's good you put yourself in that position, of course. Uh, Play happy. It's, it's one of the things, you know. I mean, it's uh, it's been a long season so far, but uh, I want to start the new year with a really good form, and that's uh, I give myself that confidence in the last games. Starting the year with a new form, five hundred thousand pounds better off. So don't don't forget well, that a little bit. Just just to making the quarterfinals means he said new year without his wife. Fifty grand he's up to so far. Now I'm I'm convinced. If I said to Mrs. Simpson. Look, 50 grand, but you're going to have to do New Year without me. My bag would be already packed. You should put it in the car for me. That's another, you can get a match in e-trons at that, mate. Maybe not. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> not quite. Maybe a deposit on one and a charging port on the outside of the house. Uh, uh, final game of the night. And once again, uh, we saw a 4-0 whitewash. But most importantly, the rain is over. Bully boy Michael Smith's rain as... Uh, the PDC World Champion has come to an end at the hands of Chris Doby in exceptional form once again. Dan, you let's be honest, you weren't meant to be on tonight's show. It was meant to be Cam. We'd already had words about Gary Anderson's interview and, and the reason that he's come out and said it, but you must have been buzzing when you get the chance to talk about Chris Doby to end the night. Yeah, it was it was quite special for the you know for those of us because I was te- like I wasn't convinced going into this. You know, I stuck my predictions in yesterday and I stuck a Derby win four two. I went for now. Let me tell you, like I did not put that bet on with the bookies <laughs> like that. I was happy was that to like Glenn's last season on tour where you backed him to win a pro tour every week and he yeah yeah since twenty nineteen. I'm happy to uh, I'm happy to say it in the chat room, but. I was I was a bit concerned going into this just because like and and even at sort of two 0 up I was you know in the WhatsApp group was texting around and I I, I just thought well he and and, and so my mate texted me at two 0 up and he said Doby looks comfortable and I went yeah but it it just takes a few legs for Michael Smith to click and he'll rattle off six on the spin he's that good he's so good. And it just terrified me at any because I just kept thinking at any point, Michael Smith can put 10 points on his average. Like he can just start. And it'll all of a sudden, and I kept waiting for it to happen and waiting for it to happen, waiting for it to happen. And then it it didn't cut out. Again, Michael Smith's average is 102. Like he, he get his uh, when was the last time someone averaged 102 and got beat 4 0? Like that doesn't happen very often at all. No. And it just was, like, from Chris Dobie, a genuinely superb performance. Some of his combination finishing was gorgeous. Like, he's gone over 50% on his doubles, 12 from 23, 102.5 average. Like, that is, it's a proper level. And it, it, I think it solidifies him. You know, he, he's, he's tickled himself up the order of merit tonight, up into 15th. Um now and and I think you know that just into that top 16 is where he finds himself, which is you know realistically where we sort of expect him to be. For the longest time he seemed to be hovering around the 20s. That's where you know where we kept seeing him, but but I almost thinking of him as, as a top 16 player, but never seemed to get himself seeded for anything. Um 
I think that uh, that move up into the top 16 is a really positive one, even if he doesn't go further in this tournament. Um, you know, it's better to be there and defend it than to have to try and move into that spot, isn't it? And, you know, we, we know that when it comes to seeding tournaments and, and uh, it, it just puts him on the, on the front foot, doesn't it? Really massive win, though. Like, I think his composure was superb. I thought even, you know, the way he came across in his interview before, after, I think he's, a, I do think he's a real class act, Chris. I think he's a, he's a, he's a great ambassador for the sport. Um, you know, it probably doesn't do any as much media as lots of other dark players do now, you know, without outside the Premier League. Um, but yeah, really impressed. Absolutely over the moon. Great. Like I was jumping all over the living room. Savage. Yeah. That, that move into the top 16 is quite important for him. It, it sort of elongates his time at the top of the game because much like Johnny Clayton, a lot of his success so far, unranked tournaments, the Masters, the Premier League, that's where we've seen him really shine. It's very easy for you to find yourself still out of the top 16, top 32, have a bad year and suddenly find yourself battling to stay back in position. But like I said, that top 16 positioning now, where he's still got the chance to go and add to that and, and chip away at that, puts him in those big tournaments again for the next year already. And he gets another crack at them, another time where he's settled, where he's not having to go to pro tours and fight to get into these majors so he can relax, play better darts there, keep his form up. And it, it just spirals into something better for him, which is thoroughly deserved because let's be honest, there was a couple of years ago where much like Michael Smith ever going on to, to win a major title, Chris Dobie was in that conversation. He was finding ways to lose on the pro tour whilst averaging 104 plus seemingly every single week. And he was developing a reputation for somebody who was, losing games that he was playing well on TV and it was those intricate little moments where it comes down to holding your nerve that Chris didn't have it for the early parts of his career but he's gone away and found that and he is reaping the rewards for that because set two is where this game was won and lost for me nice and early Smith finds a way into a 2-0 lead in set two you're thinking right he's getting a foot in the door here this is where it gets level. This is going seven sets. It's going to be about who can hold it together the longest. They're both over the 104 average mark. We're in for a belter. And then Dobie finds the next three legs. And you're like, hang on a minute. We've not seen this level from Michael Smith in the tournament so far. We've seen Dobie produce it against Ross Smith, who is capable of scoring at exactly the same level that Michael Smith is capable of scoring yeah. at. And he didn't wilt. And it doesn't look like Michael Smith's going to be able to respond. It isn't, and it's. But I, I think the what we're seeing from Chris is real consistency in and around that level of game. Like his game against, so he's played three matches so far. He averaged 103 against William O'Connor. He's averaged what's he averaged against Ross Smith? 103 against Ross Smith, and he's averaged 102 tonight against. Michael Smith. He's played three games. His worst average is 102. Like, that's monster. That is monster. That must be. It's got to be the. He's, he must have the tournament leading av mean average. Got to be. Yeah, it's got to be the highest mean average in the tournament. I, I don't think there's anyone that comes really too close to it. Um, mean average of 92.7 or something like that, off the top of my head. Um, proper form that proper yeah. form, and and again, his next game is going to be winnable on that form. If he could, like you know, 
no disrespect to the, the two players, it's Cross or Clayton, isn't it? Um, but that is a winnable match on that form. If he averages 102 and a half again, he's got a good chance there. Well, of course he has. Cross has been, Cross was edgy against Trickhole, very good against Jeffrey de Graff, but found a way to lose two sets when he played the best stars he played in yeah. the entire match in those two sets. Uh, and Johnny Clayton has, has been below his best 88 average, 91 average to get past Steve Lennon and Christoph Ratajski. Poses a threat, but actually over that distance with that scoring power, Chris Dovey is going to give himself chances regardless against one of those two players. Uh, we do have Chris's post-match press moment to play for you. We'll do that first, and then uh, there's a point in the in the chat room, which I sort of have touched on on Twitter, so we might as well do that before we look at it tomorrow. Yeah, um, obviously, I had a tough, tough quarter, tough half. But, um, you know, they're all great lads and very, very good dark players, and I've been pushed in every single one of my games. Even if the scoreline doesn't give Mike justice, you know, it uh, definitely shouldn't have been 4 0. I stole a couple of sets. Uh, definitely the one way went 2 0 up. Um, but yeah, that starts. You win some games like that, you lose some, and he'll, he'll come back gunning for me the next thing, that's for sure. Won't be daft. Uh, <laughs> nah, definitely not. Um, there's so many good. Look at Luke Humphries, you know, the last three majors. He's got to be the favourite by, by an absolute mile. Um, I shouldn't even be in. Just let me go under the radar, I've told it. Uh, I'm just happy to just plod along like I'm doing, and hopefully I'll be there at the, the final game. You know, the dreams to take it to the stadium are light on the 6th of January. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't think they'll let us do that. Uh, but no, it's 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 massive for me. Um, if I can keep performing the way I am, there's no reason why I can't lift that title and uh, take it to St. James. Oh, I imagine. Imagine that trophy in St. James's Park. <laughs> Brings a tear to my eye just thinking about well, it. The first game is that. Tyneway Derby in the FA third round. Oh, we couldn't sully that trophy by taking it to that shed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying nothing. I'll let you sort that one out. Um, the form he's in right now, given that he takes on Rob Cross, Johnny Clayton, we've spoken a lot about the Premier League over the last few months, especially on the live lounge, but we've pretty much got a consensus at online darts that seven spots in the Premier League are now complete wrapped up unless the players turn around and say no they don't want it they are michael smith michael van gerwin gerwin price luke humphreys nathan aspinall rob cross peter wright given what they've done throughout the rest of the season and various world ranking positions given the way he's played so far taking out the world champion and his performance in last year's tournament plus the absence of challengers that have fallen at the wayside, Danny Noppert, Dirk van Dijven, Boda, Johnny Clayton still circling mind, as is Luke Littler. Is Chris Doby the man in number eight spot as we talk right now? I think he is after today. I think if Stephen Bunting beats Michael van Gerwen today, yeah. he remains in that conversation, definitely. Yeah. Um there's some interesting games tomorrow where people could potentially stake a claim if they're going to go deep. You know, we saw the clamour last year when Gabe Clemens got to the semi-finals. We, we could see a semi-finalist that no one expects. 
there is, you know, there's there's definitely potential in there for a semi-finalist. Loads of, you know, nobody expects. Some of them might be a good pick. You know my view on it. I'd love to see Chris back in the Premier League. I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was a brilliant watch. I thought because general, genuinely, as an in as an as an impartial view, he made for very very interested and exciting games because yeah. it, like he got beat averaging 102. Those games were bloody entertaining. Like they were just worse. Bags of yeah. 180s, we got it, drama. Yeah, they were proper entertaining games. And I think in a format that was shite, Chris Dobie made it fun. Yeah, and 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 looking at the consistency, you know, as I say, three matches in a row, his mean average is 102.7. Like, if he keeps that level, if you just know Chris Dobie's gonna turn up and average a ton, he's gonna be competitive all the time. And 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 yes, he you know, he didn't but but again. He's had more success and more learning and more development since that Premier League stint. So, is he a more dangerous prospect? No, it's not. It's not his first rodeo, is it? If he goes again, it's not first time out in Newcastle with you know war flags doing the you know and everything else. And you know, no, is it started on the flags, Dan. It's half eleven at night. <laughs> but it's um, like I I I think certainly. If he wins his next game, he's 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 stake to claim. I think he's definitely stake to claim because I, I don't know what other names you're gonna start pulling out. But you know where you could really make that argument that they're that they're a better and and I'm still not convinced that you know you know I, I know think people there's like, a couple there, but it's it's a long right right. First of all, a couple in the chat room. Um, is snake spite spot really locked up? But still, though, Wright is unlocked in. There's two events in Scotland, right? There's only one way that Peter Wright does not play, or, or two ways that Peter Wright does not play in the Premier League. One, he turns it down. Now, there's absolutely no way Joe allows him to not play if he's offered it. Financial suicide. And two, Gary Anderson says yes. And then they might dislodge Peter Wright for Gary Anderson. But at that point, Gary's not competing with Chris Dobie for a spot. He's competing with Peter Wright for a spot. I think well, it'll does go Gary have it. any interest whatsoever? No. He said it with, multiple as far times. As I Even know. as world champion, he's going to say no. Yeah, as far as I know, if you offered Gary double money, he'd say no. He just exactly. he's got no interest in it. It's not. So at that point, Peter Wright is in. He won the European Championships. He's still in the top ten in the world, despite having a massive fall off of ranking money from defending the World Championships two years ago. Peter Wright is in, and they've got a way to justify it. Anders doesn't want it, but if he was in, he would want it, right? He is so one. Therefore, the, the people that are really competing with Chris Dover right now, I think Rob Cross is in already. Two World Series titles, a European title, been one of the most informed players in the world, made it to the Grand, Grand Slam final and the Masters final as well. Rob Cross is in for me, which means Johnny Clayton would have to beat Rob Cross and Dobie, and that Dobie-Clayton quarterfinal might then become a straight shootout. Or... Luke Littler goes all the way. What about, and I, and I genuinely, what if Damon Hetter, who's in the top 10, mm-hmm. finds a way to knock out Michael Van Gerwen? Does he move himself into the conversation? I think so. Certainly. And, and look, Joe Cullen, if any of these are surprise finalists in terms of Hetter, Cullen, Gurney or Chisnell, they certainly jump straight into the conversation. It's whether or not one event is enough. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. 
Um, and I do think if you if you are the PDC, the and the, and they've you know they've had this conversation about Luke previously that they clearly do consider. Uh, and I know we could talk about it earlier on with, with about Luke Littler, um, the player welfare. You know, and that is the this is that the they... only competition where I give them their props and go, nope, we've seen it. it's a different animal. It's got the ability to ruin people. Bunting when he first came over, Yellow was in there the first time. Um, Dave Chisnell's run in there was abysmal. Um, who else was in there that just definitely wasn't ready for it? Those are after he won it. Those are maybe Dimitri. I can't think. There was one earlier than Kim and Yella, and I'm trying to think who it was. Webby? Potentially. When his action started to fall apart, but there was an argument he was still I on the best of I can't, I've got nothing in front of me. I, can't, I seem yeah. to remember Webby having a bit of a mare um, yeah. for at least one stint, but I can't remember how sustained that was. Or, but No, but I... I and therefore, I don't know whether I don't know whether they would pull the trigger on a on a on a header or a, you know having not if he hasn't won a major if he hasn't and you know before he's won that big ticket that big that big one, um, Chisnell perhaps if Chisnell makes a final because I think they'd have more confidence in Chisnell, you know, being able to go along with the traveling circus, you know, and, and not be affected or, or, or ruined by it because he's just been there for that bit longer and been around the block a, a lot more times. Um, you know, but yeah, for me, God, I'd, I'd love to see Doves get back in. But for me, he'll go, he'll, he'll obviously be back in because he'll win, won't he? So, <laughs> once, he win, once he's a world champion, they can't not let him in, can they? True. Uh, right, that wraps up all of the reaction from this evening, we do have six games to look forward to tomorrow. Chat room, fire your predictions in. Again, we've been talking for well over an hour already, so we're probably not going to read your predictions out, but get involved with each other in the chat room. Let us know. We'll keep an eye out. And then you've got a claim tomorrow night as well, if you get it right. We can go back and say, yeah, actually, you did say that, rather than keep it to yourself. Right, we start tomorrow night, Dan, with Scott Williams against Damon Hetter. Um... I think this is a genuinely tough game. I think I think this is a bit, and Damon probably wouldn't thank me for saying this, but I think it's a bit of a coin a coin toss because I just think you don't know what you're going to get from both players on on stage tomorrow. Um, ah, head or heart? I think it is a Damon Hetter win, sudden death. I think it goes all the way to the wire. 4-3, Damon Hatter, sudden death victory. I have been very impressed with Scott Williams in this tournament. This is the Scott Williams I was hoping would have emerged throughout the entire year uh, when he got his tour card at this tournament last year. He was already guaranteed about the Challenge Tour, of course. But I just think Hatter's got it in those key moments right now. He's been pushed. He's come out with it already. And I think we see a slightly better Damon Hatter tomorrow. I'm going to say he wins this one for two. Uh, second match of the night, uh, Daryl Gurney 2.0, as he was affectionately billed in the start of this tournament. Uh, renewed outlook. Quietly going about his business pretty nicely, by the way, at the moment. There's not been too much hype on Super Chin. Uh, takes on Dave Chisnell, who's been below his best for a lot of the tournament so far, Dan. 
He has, but it he, he's been very comfortable. You know, three one against Cam Menzies. The, the, I think nobody expects him to dispatch Gabe Clemens as, as comfortably as he did in a four one victory. So whilst he hasn't been at his brilliant best, he he's been very comfortable. Um, and I thought for large parts of Gurney's game against Ricky Evans, he looked vulnerable. Like he looked like he well, could be. Ricky kicked on for a set. He was in trouble. Yeah, hundred percent. I think he looked vulnerable. I think the cracks showed in parts. He managed to get through it, which shows a lot. But I just think he he really showed that he could be got at. And I think if Chizzy starts to hammer the one eighties. He'll 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 just get ahead. So I think it's a chizzy, and I think it's probably a three-two. You just said oh, three-two. Right, <laughs> I'm looking at the old results at the same time. Yeah, four-two chizzy. I'll give him that last set a to win it. It's late. <laughs> you go three-two up and then get the last one. <laughs> I think I'm going to go the other way on this one. Really? Good on you. I thought Gurney was very good in beating Steve Beaton. When he needed it in the final two sets against Ricky Evans, he produced big moments. And whilst Chisnell doesn't play at the same pace as Ricky Evans, there aren't many in the world that ever will or even consider playing at the same pace as Ricky Evans. I felt like Gurney game managed that yesterday really well. I feel like he took the sting out of the pace of it and, and slowed it down a bit when he was going for those strolls in the park after he took out a big finish and made him hang around for it. Down the stage, well, yeah. While he's gone to find Dean Wynn Stanley who's still jumping around from his nine data 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I st despite him not being the quickest player in the world, I still think Chisnell likes to play in a rhythm. And I think Gurney will take the sting out of that a little bit and therefore I'm going to say rhythm, Gurney yeah. beats him for Two, uh, we wrap up the afternoon session with Rob Cross against Johnny Clayton. Uh, probably the easiest one for me to pick of the afternoon session. Um, I, we, I think Bobby Cross has been great for large parts of, of the year, really on form. We haven't seen the best of him in his first couple of games, which means he's got gears and levels with which to go to. Um, I picked him to win the quarter. It's a 4-1 win. Rob Cross. I agree with pretty much everything, but I'm going to say 4-2. I think I think we're going to see a battle from Johnny. I don't think he's just going to roll over. But I also think that if it starts going away from him, there's a chance that, that Cross can just run off with it. Double 16 tomorrow is incredibly key. If that's there for Johnny, we get a game. If it's not, we're in trouble. And he, he was on tops a lot today. I don't think we talked about that. The fact he was tops tens and saved by double five a lot. He's got to get back in that bottom corner. Yeah, it's not him at all, is it? It's really odd. Has to get back in that bottom corner. Uh, the evening session starts uh, the same way as it did tonight with Gary Anderson in action, this time taking on the history maker, Brendan Dover. Right. I don't know if the joker's in the chat room, but I am not going to use the P word. And I'm not going to say upset or underdog. I'm not. It's not. But, but, I find it really hard to see anything other than a Gary Anderson victory here. And I think it will be slightly more competitive than today's victory, but not too much. I'm going to go with a 4-2 Gary Anderson. 
Yeah, again, look, Brendan was mightily impressive in, in beating Gerwin Price. He's going to be up against it this time. Gary Anderson is a crowd favourite wherever he goes. Um, the one concern I'd probably have here for Gary is, again, the pace. Brendan is not the quickest player in the world. Don't get wrong, he's sped up a lot when he's at the action, but there's still going to be those moments where Gary's itching to get to the hockey. Um, and that's why I'm going to give Dolan two sets. I think if, if the Gary that turned played tonight turns up, I think the Gary that played tonight wins comfortably. Uh, penultimate game of the night. Regardless of who's playing in anything else, and no matter what standard they produce, all eyes will be on this game. 40 years age gap between the two players. Five-time champion of the world, Raymond Van Barneveld. I know it's how they drop the late side for some players, and Barney still gets five, by the way. Uh, against the uh, two-time JDC World Youth Champion and the reigning PDC World Youth Champion, Luke Littler. Oh, that's good news, by the way, Laura. Thank you for that. I am also. I've um. I've been on the. I've been on the internet tonight because I'm. I'm ordering myself a special shirt for our uh, Q School stream, which I think you might like, Laura. Um. So, I do you know this one, mate. Um. I, I genuinely. I don't think anybody knows what we're going to see here. Like, and anyone that claims to is just like you know they're, they're thinking aloud. Like, um. But I'm going to go with what I want to see because what I want to see is not what we keep seeing in the chat room. I don't want to see Luca Littler win 4 0. Like, I want to see the guy be educated. I want to see him come through something. I want to see him go through something with a five time world champion and it goes to sudden death. Can you imagine that? Um, yeah, sudden death. 4 3, Luca Littler win. I'm, I'm the opposite of you. The only thing I do not want to see. <laughs> <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, don't you? You know exactly where I'm going with this. Yeah. Is Raymond Van Barnevald with a microphone in his hand at the end of the game? Like <laughs> holding his hand aloft. Like Stephen Bunting. No, this God, guy that here somebody. Him, do the, like, no. Somebody needs to immediately no. get security involved straight Not away. Not give happens. Barney a microphone. We were, we were concerned enough about Gilding's hugging exploits unwantedly when he beats somebody. Let's not give Barney a microphone. It, it could be a disaster. Um, I think Luke wins 4-1. I'll be completely honest. I expect Barney to not use dark arts, but he'll use plenty of experience. He'll battle away. He said in his press conference he's, he's not going to miss doubles. I think the concern is getting to the doubles. Luke has been... He's rode his luck at times in this tournament. You have to. Players have missed doubles in sets, but there's pretty much every player in the tournament that has faced a set yeah, dart or a leg or a dart a double that would turn the set that doesn't quite go away. Even Bunting's had chances tonight, and he's been beaten 4 0 by Van Gerwen, for Christ's sake. But I just think Luke creates that many chances. I think even Luke's he, B game at the moment matches what we've seen from Barney. And that's scary to say. Barney's going to have to really, really roll back the years to come close to outscoring Luke. You Mm -hmm. know, Barney's biggest chance is come, you know, like a bit like he said, to be fair, in his interview, is hitting his doubles and and being and taking his chance on combination checkouts. It's coming, you know, coming with checkouts 90 plus, isn't it? And and being able to put three darts together. That's his biggest chance. And if he can do that, he'll stay competitive. If it just comes down to who's scoring the most, then Luke will probably blow him away. Yeah, 100%. And the final game of the night. What a match we have in store here, by the way. Luke Humphreys takes on Joe Collin. This 
should be played the way you want to see darts played. Yeah, this is this is. I mean, if it wasn't for the game that preceded it, this is game of the day on pretty much any day of any World Championships, isn't it? Really, at the minute, um, and it is only because of the sort of spect- your circus spectacle that's going on before it that, that this this won't be billed as such, but. A genuinely interesting game. And I'm going to go against the grain here. And I'm going to pick Joe Cullen for a couple of reasons. Is that, like, I know that Luke's got a lot in him. And he's a, I mean, he talks a lot about his, the way he keeps himself in shape and prepared for games. But I think that last game took so much out of him. Mentally and physically, I think it took a huge amount out of him. Um, and he's carrying the weight of maybe, I mean, backwards and forwards between the tournament favourite with MVG, arguably, probably again after tonight. Um, but I think there's a big weight of expectation. I think he went absolutely through the mill with his game against Petresco. Um, I think Cullen, we, whilst, we ha- whilst we haven't seen amazing stuff from him, he's been really comfortable. We know he's got another gear. And I think that he's not frightened of Humphreys. You know, we know Cullen's got that Premier League experience. He's got experience on the big stage. Granted, you know, he'd probably not seen him go too deep in, you know, at the Palace World Championships. But yeah, I think Cullen comes through it. I'll go 4 3. It will be tight, but I'm going to pick Joe. I don't want to go all Nigel Farage here and say, you laughed at me. But when I said Luke Humphreys needed to lose in Minehead in order to go on and win the World Championship, I think the performances we've seen so far back that up. He wouldn't have come in here as clear favourite. All the other players wouldn't be going, or Luke's won three of the last four. It's Luke's to lose. It's Luke's to lose. And I think he has a completely different approach to the way he's going about it right now. Luke walked into this tournament in a lose-lose situation. He was favourite for the tournament. If he loses, he's out. Like, he has to go on and win it. <laughs> or it's seen as a failure given the form he's in. That's a huge amount of pressure. He's also... And he's only just won his first major within the last six months. And everything else has been a, a free roll and, and carried on. He's been in fantastic form. He's been talking up. And at some point in his lifetime, it certainly looks like Luke Humphreys has got the ability to go on and be a world champion. But under this much pressure, after the last six months that he's had, I'm just not sure... This is why I wasn't in the Premier League last year, by the way, because he, he couldn't quite handle that. I'm, I'm still not sure he's developed that side of his game enough for me. We saw a little bit of petulance early on against Ricardo. We saw his post-match press conference yesterday. He was quite 95 or 99% of the crowd were against me sort of thing. He's, he's been in Eurotour experiences similar to that before. You'd expect somebody of his relative experience, despite being under the age of 30, I guess, to be able to handle those sort of things. And I'm just not sure he's at the same level of maturity or mentality that we saw from Bully Boy when he went on to do the job last year. And right. I think if the slightest little thing goes wrong for Luke, I worry for him because it turns into a big thing because this is his world championships to lose. Yeah, I, I agree completely. You know, every tournament he's won, he wasn't the favourite for. No. He, you know, he wasn't the favourite going into the final. <laughs> and, and and I think yeah, it's very different this because and and I, and in some ways I think Luke Littler's done him a bit of a favour because 
a lot of the press that would have been Luke Humphreys has been Luke. You know, Luke Littler's took the heat off loads of other players. Make no mistake at all. There are loads of players that have, have the screw. They're not under the scrutiny that they would be if it hadn't have been for Luke Littler. Um, but I agree. And you know, that's why I call it is, is, is my pick tomorrow. I think. I think that. He put so much mentally and and physically into that game with with Petresco. I think the the interaction with the crowd probably wasn't ideal. Yeah, I mean it's great and it's good. It's box office. He's jumping around the stage and flexing at the crowd and stuff. But I don't know how much of that is conducive to the mindset required to go on and win a world title. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Gerwin Price might prove that. You know, is is the exception that proves the rule, but. I just think, you know, in those big game situations, the crowd's up, crowd might not be against you. You might find the crowd's a bit 50-50 in this one. The crowd's not going to be pro-Luke Humphreys, I don't think, particularly. They'll just want to see a good darts match. Well, um, wise he loses this battle completely. The crowd will be singing Oasis. Ah, and they'll sing it through the first leg as well. Yeah. <laughs> if he lo- I think if he loses the ball as well, you know, if Luke loses the ball and... Joe Cullen picks that first leg up, and the crowd get get behind him. It could be a, it could be really tough for Luke for Luke Humphreys this one. And I, yeah, I, I think it's a I think it's the Cullen. By contrast to that, Luke did come through an exceptionally tough game yesterday with uh, how whatever percentage you want to describe it as. There were certainly hostilities within the crowd that made it more difficult for Luke to perform yesterday. In exactly the same round in a very mirrored situation to Michael Smith going on to lift the Sidwardale Trophy last year. And it's one of those things and patterns that sports people like to look for and go, well, this happened the last time this happened and blah, blah, blah. It's amazing how often those things match yeah, up. It's the point where both yeah. 3-1 down go on to win 4-3 sort of thing. You look at, you see that in the NFL, the last time that this team won this, this was happening, this was happening, their quarterback did this, their linebacker did this sort of thing. And it's ridiculous how often those things then repeat themselves. Um, But I'm still not sure that's conducive to Luke going on to lift the Sid Waddell right now. I need to see more from him. And if we get a reaction and we get a response and we get a performance from Luke Humphreys that has seen him lift three of the last four major titles tomorrow then I firmly believe he can go on and lift this trophy, but I have to see that tomorrow from him. Other than that, I just think he's too many bad performances in his sitting duck a little. Um, I'm going to say we see it from Humphreys. I'm going to say he wins this one, but I still think it's 4-3. I still think Cullen gets going. Fair enough. And with that, it is time to wrap up tonight's extra long show once again. Apologies that it is quite a long one, but we are getting to the nitty gritty of the tournament. I want to provide you with as much analysis and conversation as possible. Uh, the final day of action before New Year's Eve takes place tomorrow at Alexandra Palace with those six games that we've just previewed for you. The last 16 will wrap itself up and we will know our eight quarter finalists returning to Alexandra Palace on New Year's Day. Uh, a big, big thank you to everybody in the chat room who has joined us throughout tonight's show. Once again, if you're listening back as an audio only, we really do appreciate it. To Phil, who is at Alexandra Palace, once again, getting interviews. Remember, they're available in full on our YouTube channel. Go over there and check them out. And if you're not following us on socials, make sure you do Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, or X. We're even on threads somewhere. Uh, make sure you check us out. Dan, thank you very much for joining me. Paddy Power, thank you very much for all you've done for us throughout this tournament. We'll be back tomorrow night with the final fallout bar of 2023. That sounds weird to say. We'll see you all very, very soon. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 